morning. I happen to be in town, Loveland, to stand with the Egan family and their daughter, Lana, who has not been well. We come together. We're here to support each other. I'm recovering from a heart attack. Can you tell? It looks like I just ran a quarter mile. All I did was come up two steps with a briefcase. Remind me not to carry it next time. I'm coming up for my 18-month evaluation. This is what I want you to ask. Ready? I want you to ask the Lord to have my heart back down to normal. I've been told all my life, oh, you have a big heart. No, that'll kill you. Can't have a big heart. It's got to be normal. And so you ask the Lord, give me a normal heart. Is that all right? Yeah, I'll just keep preaching until everything stops. By the way, I'm doing much better. I was here for graduation last year. How many of you remember that? Okay, how many of you did not know about that? How many of you, frankly, don't care if I was out here last year? <laughs> I'm known as a cheerful preacher. Don't mix that up with a lack of reverence. Because reverence means respect for the Lord. Being joyful doesn't mean you've lost respect for the Lord. It means you respect him even more. You're just joyful in his presence. Others have a gentle personality that's introverted, and they get up and they introvert us through their message. Amen. I don't know what happened, what went wrong. I blew a gasket. Something happened. And I became an extroverted preacher, so be patient with my humanity, for I do love the Lord. I'm out in Colorado. My heart doesn't like the elevation, but I just came from New Mexico where I was at 9,000 feet for a week. Oh, my heart was really upset. But you know what? We'll just keep doing this till Jesus comes, right? Those of you at home, it's time to come back. Place ain't the same without you. This pandemic hurt us. My father-in-law, my wife's daddy, is now buried because of COVID. 94 years old. Still worked his garden. Cut the lawn. Chased the squirrels out, out of his tomatoes. They dig, you know, they, they dig, ruin everything. The irrigation water goes down the wrong hole and none, none of it reached the plants. Then he caught COVID and it took him in two days. My healthy, my father-in-law was healthier than me. He says, boy, get over here. Let me slap you. I took care of my heart. You see, COVID did a lot to hurt us. Can't believe that a disease can divide us politically. Don't you listen to that stuff. That ain't from the Lord. Lord says, by the fruits we'll know what's from him and what's not from him. If you're divided with your neighbor over COVID, that's not the right thing to be divided. That the dog's knocking over their trash, now we have a real discussion. But COVID should not divide us. In Washington, D.C., where I live, we had a skating rink. We have a ice rink where the national hockey uh, team for the Olympics works out. 
said about 300 yards from my front door, at the height of the pandemic, where we lost almost 100,000 souls, the ice rink was full of cots. The legs were folded with body bags, and every day, hearses would come on by to run the next family's funerals. COVID was real. Between us and New York City, three hours north, we lost almost 230,000 people. Yet we're arguing politically over a killer that moved freely among us. Brothers and sisters, it's time to come back. We must look beyond and look a little higher. Our redemption draweth nigh. I just heard you singing about it. It's time to come back. Some of you aren't here because somebody hurt your feelings. And you're right. Church is a hospital. It's not a museum where perfection is exhibited. It's not a grocery store where you pick and choose what you're taking back to the house and leave the rest there. This is a hospital. Sick people come here. And so we cannot be shocked that sinners come and sit in these seats. And sooner or later, somebody here is going to hurt you, and they did. So I'd like to say officially on behalf of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, forgive us for having broken your heart and hurt your feelings. Come on back. place ain't the same without you. Now, I've never been here before. I don't know what's going on. But I just got back from Australia where most people are staying home watching TV on Sabbath. They're afraid to go back to church because that family's there that hurt their feelings. South Africa, same thing. They want me to talk to the pastors again in Johannesburg because they're leaving. Churches are beating up their pastors. I know that's never happened here, but try to imagine the national sport in many countries now is beating up on the pastor. I mean, look at me. I'm a broken human being. If you're looking for defects, you're going to find them. Just looking at me for 10 seconds, you know, if that guy would just shave. It would really help. I can't even look at him. <laughs> Fortunately, I'm in Colorado where everybody's got an uncle who looks like me. <laughs> One little even girl lost her judgment. She, she says, you remind me of my uncle after the accident. He wasn't the same anymore. <laughs> I just kind of want to lay it out first. Is that Okay. So you got a broken man standing here, blew a gasket, I don't know when. You know, I look forward to perfection when we see him in glory. But till that day, you got a broken man seeking the face of Jesus at church, all right? I'm here for tearful reasons because I'm concerned about the life of a young lady who clings to life today. So that's why I'm here. But I, I thought I'd go to church. And, you know, I can only accept about one out of 80 invitations. Uh, I'm just a man. Have I leveled with you enough? Okay, you're lucky I didn't decide to slap you around in the name of Jesus. <laughs> but, brothers and sisters, the Lord is coming. We need you all back. Don't stay home. There's, seven, there's six days to watch services on TV. Come on back. If you need to wear a mask, wear it. Now, I'm washing my hands all day long, and I test myself once a week for COVID. Why? Because I'm in a different crowd every week, and I owe it to those who are sensitive in the next place I go that I take precautions and that they're safe with me, right? 
I have to do that. This isn't a political conversation. I've buried family and loved ones with COVID. The, so it's only right that I take precautions. So, okay. Ready for a message. Well, that was 20 minutes worth. No, it wasn't. It was seven and three quarters minutes. <laughs> you know, it seems I've imagined him all of my life to have been the wisest of all of mankind. But if God's holy wisdom seemed foolish to man, he must have seemed out of his mind. For even his family said he was mad. The priest said the demons to blame. God in the form of this strange young man could not have been perfectly sane. We in our foolishness thought we were wise. He played the fool and he opened our eyes. When we in our weakness believed we were strong, he became helpless to show we were wrong. And so we follow God's own fool, and only the foolish can tell. Believe beyond believable. Come, be a fool as well. So lay down your life for a carpenter's son, for a man there who died for a dream. You'll have the faith his first followers had, and you will feel the weight of the beam. So surrender the hunger to say I must know, the courage to say I believe, for the power of paradox opens our eyes and blinds those who say they can see. We in our foolishness thought we were wise. He played the fool and he opened our eyes when we in our weakness believed we were strong. He became helpless to show we were wrong. And so we follow God's own fool. And only the foolish can tell. Believe what you wait on. Believe beyond believable. Come, be a fool as well. Ready to pray? Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, speak to us utter foolishness. Challenge our thinking. Make us look a little higher today. In fact, take us off to the edge of the cliff and there push us off the edge. And as we feel ourselves falling helplessly, may we realize we can fly and mount up with wings as eagles. Enough crawling, Lord. Teach us to fly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take out your swords. We're going to war. Any veterans here? Thank you. Thank you for your service. We're grateful Americans, right? Amen. Amen. Thank you for your service. Anyone here served in Vietnam? Okay, if you did, welcome home. Thank you for your service. Okay, grab your Bible with me to the book of Judges. Oh, my, my phone has begun. Let me fix that. 
Book of Judges, you're looking it up, right? You're not stalling, watching me pick, fix my phone thing. Okay. Judges, chapter 6. Busquémonos en el libro de Jueces, capítulo 6. You don't mind an occasional Spanglish. Okay. I've been told by U.S. immigration, I look Mexican. <laughs> don't laugh, I almost got deported twice. And they were going to, he even told me, I'll have you by, to Guadalajara by tomorrow. And I have no family there. And, but the president of that conference has been asking me to hold a crusade for years. Unwillingly, and I called to him for help. Get back to the U.S., but you're going to hold us a series first. <laughs> After the baptisms, you can go on home. Did you find it, chapter 6? I've been Sometimes uh, there are scholars, homileticians, those who teach preaching. Who say. of the will of God's people. And when you break the back of the will of the people, folks turn on each other. That's always your symptom when you need help. You turn on each other. When the Donner Party was coming over the mountain into California and 28 feet of snow fell, they started turning on each other and eating each other. What a tragedy that calamity can cause. 
Israel's faith died. And folks thought that it was over. And so now Gideon is thrashing wheat on his hands and knees in a wine press so that the Midianites won't see him working it and come and take the best stuff and burn the rest of the crop. So as Gideon is, you know, he, he, I think he just finished Ranger and Pathfinders and he was looking forward to one day being a master guide. As the former leader of young people of this denomination, I'm proud to say the kid had attitude. Amen. If you ever have a kid with attitude, you praise God Almighty. I have moms come to me all the time. I need to talk with you. What happened? My daughter, she's got an attitude. Amen. <laughs> this world eats people up who are timid. You have to have a hard head to strut. Now imagine, you've seen what Satan can do with her hard head. Imagine if her hard head is in the hands of Jesus. She's going to do damage for the kingdom. Bring that kid over here that I might anoint her. <laughs> Mom, you get over here, sweetie. We're going to pray over you. I don't want to It's too late. See, that's why I led youth. I, I was once the youth director of this division. Do you remember? You don't care. Tell the truth. <laughs> My career means nothing to you. But I was the youth director of this denomination on this continent. I led 900 youth professionals and chaplains. Everybody yelled at me with all the rock music in the church. He thought it was my fault. And uh, then I was elected the world youth director. And I turned it down at general conference session. Whole countries were angry with me. You don't turn down a call from God. I said, it's my eighth call this year. Which one's from God? I'd like help on this. But you know why I turned it down? because I was traveling all over North America at the time and then the world once in a while. If I took the other position, I'd be traveling all over the world and in North America once in a while. Couldn't do that. These are my people. These are our kids in a secular world. My job was to confront American and Canadian young people, Bermudan young people. I, I confronted attitude problems everywhere. And then told them, the Lord promised us an army of young people. So what you going to do about it? I want that hard-head attitude of yours in the hands of Christ. Do you see, brothers and sisters, I've been preaching 47 years now. Can you tell? Yeah, he's losing his edge. Um, but I'll keep preaching as long as his heart is ticking. I'm not a good man, but I... I serve a good God. You have the picture now of the Midianites all over Israel? See, this is called narrative preaching for those of you who take notes. Narrative inductive preaching. It's how you tell the story that positions the word of God. That's how I do my exegesis. Study the original Hebrew. Get into what was happening in that day culturally. And when these words were written, what was occurring and then tie it to today, to the attitudes of people today. And now let's look at its meaning, all right? We're interpreting the Word of God. And this is called, because I'm now more rabbinical in my style. I'm telling you, I'm giving away my secrets because I don't know if my heart will decide to turn off again. 
and I don't want to take my secrets to the grave. I, I got to hand them out. So when I preach now, I'm actually telling the congregation what's going on and how I came up with it and what my methods and approaches are so it can infect a few of you innocent souls. And whether it's one of me now, a few thousand other preachers can rise who don't know that there's a limit to stuff because the hand of God knows no limit. You know how many baptisms I've seen in this little journey? Over 65,000. Please tell me that evangelism no longer works. The Midianites thought they won. They had Israel in the palm of their hand, and they'd squeeze the life out of them whenever they felt like it. And so now, let's go into chapter 6, verse 12. Now that you fully closed your Bible, you've got to scramble to find it again. See, that's the only problem with narrative preaching. The story becomes so interesting, you just closed your Bible. You got to hang on to the stuff when I call it because we will come back to the Word of God. I don't want to give you my opinions. I want the Word of God to speak for itself, all right? Does that make sense? I'm an old, for those who care, I'm an Old Testament scholar. My brother Louis, he's a New Testament scholar. He'll scare you with the Greek, but it was all Greek to me. I'll hit you with Hebrew. All right. I'm just, I'm not hiding anything because of those who will benefit from the information, I give it to you. Others will benefit from the context of the message. Others will benefit by how they felt in the message. And others won't get a thing until I pull out my guitar. Where'd you get that? Where did I preach it? I don't know. So I must feed all who are here. Does that make sense? So sometimes I'm preaching, it don't make sense to you. Like, what, what's he doing? That wasn't for you. It's for the other person. Needs, you see what I'm trying to do? It's intentional, targeted preaching. I'm giving away my secrets. Just don't sell the thing. Give it away. All right. For all these younger preachers, like, oh, I knew it. No, you didn't. <laughs> and there's this, I'm on my fourth generation. I had my first older person tell me you spoke at my graduation from Loma Linda Medical School in 1980 and I still remember the message that's a lot of trauma for a surgeon <laughs> so you can get counseling for that you know I think there's even medications that it'll respond to I'm on my fourth generation little kids come running up yeah you're funny. Uh, no, you're funny. Uh-uh. You're funny. Uh-uh. You're funny. And we never end the argument. The next generation. And then when the Lord sends me to my rest, you all move in and take it to the next generation. Then this work gets finished. Then we go home. Now, Colorado's beautiful. Wait, wait till you see my house up in heaven. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Are we ready to read it now? 15, 25 minutes later. Verse 12. Did you have the context? It's scary, isn't it? I made you see too much. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, what did he say to Gideon, this kid? The Lord is with you. You mighty man of valor. Now, remember in the Old Testament when Nebuchadnezzar 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember that? And they, it, 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 when you hear the, the instruments, uh, and he names all the same instruments that King David did. So it's not the instrument that's the devil's instrument. It's how you use it. The same list of instruments that King David names on his list is the same list of instruments that Nebuchadnezzar names for his pagan worship service. It's never the fault of the instrument. It's what you use it for. Why? Because in 1972, I was told this is the devil's instrument, and I wasn't allowed in church with my guitar. Finally, in 73, in a crisis meeting of the board where I can hear the shouting outside, I was allowed to sit in the front row with a mic to my guitar. They can hear it, but as long as they didn't see it. Now, guitar is the instrument Jesus himself plays. And it's one of the harps that the Lord's going to hand out. And Alan White says, we will all play it skillfully. But there was a time it was the devil's instrument. It's not the instrument. I saw an incredible trumpet today, didn't you? And that's a nice trumpet. But the trumpet her is serious. And the organ, come on now. She's playing the note, but what, what's with the bells? Her bass clef overwhelmed me. I had a lump in my throat. You could tell I'm a classicist. Just her bass clef. Keyboardist, you know what I'm talking about? All three of you? Rest of the congregation, I have no clue what he's talking about. But her use of bass clef and the way she moves through those pedals like water, she communicates. You're, it's not the instrument, it's, it's how you use it. The Lord is with you, you what? Mighty man of valor. Now, the last time Nebuchadnezzar got mad, three guys, three governors of his leadership, of his administration, Sadrach, Mesach, Abednego. I hope you don't mind the Hebrew. Anyway, it's like calling myself Jose Vicente Rojas Gonzalez, but you're used to Jose Rojas. You guys are funny. I, I stood in front of thousands of Australians. And I said, you guys talk funny. It's a lot of nerve in downtown Sydney. And why would you say that? Because you guys call me spaghetti. No, we call you pasta. See, there you go again. Pasta. It's pastor. It's what I said. Pasta. Oh, and they suddenly realized for the rest of the week, pastor, they gave it their best shot. <laughs> the joy of the Lord is my strength. And they suddenly realized we can laugh at ourselves, even though this poor American doesn't realize he's the one that doesn't know how to speak properly. And so bonding happens. And we fellowship and spend hours together after the service. It's because Jesus is coming. We know how to be divided. Why not learn how to come together? I'm giving you my secrets. So this is a... Uh, I attended homiletics uh, 3.0 today at church. I mean, the guy tried to preach and then he'd tell us what he was doing and why. I'm giving it away. Sooner or later, I will publish that book. 
narrative inductive preaching. But in the meantime, I hope you don't mind. Be patient with me. I'm trying to give it away to those who will use it. Okay. Nebuchadnezzar was so mad at those three guys. He says, bring me my mighty men. Remember the mighty men? Heat up the oven seven times. This is in the middle of the afternoon. I mean, you know you're somewhere outside of Denver. It's 105, and yesterday it was 64. And, and, and uh, it just snowed last Thursday, and we're at 105. Welcome to Colorado. And so, so it's hot, and the oven is glowing. And the mighty men were the ones who were willing to give their lives for the king. The mighty men were the top commandos of the armed forces. These men knew they were going to die. And in the United States of America, we call them United States Navy SEALs. We call them Delta Force. We call them Rangers. We have some of the most elite military units in the world. And these mighty men carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, threw them into the fire, and they burst into flames and died violently before the oven gladly gave their lives to the king to throw these boys into the oven. That's what mighty men do. They're willing to give their life. They don't pause. They don't... We were talking in the car on the way to church. You don't know what courage is until you have fear. Fear is where you exhibit courage. Because if you don't have fear, you're not being courageous. You're just doing what you're supposed to do. But if you're afraid and you move in anyway. One day, one of my friends, one of my boys that I mentored, told me I signed up for the Navy, Pastor. Oh, son, you should have talked to me first. Well, I mean, you know, we don't encourage our young people to sign up, but we're going to stand by them every step of the way once they do. The Pentagon used to send me to preach to the troops in Germany, Italy, as they were on R&R, rotating in and out of Afghanistan and, and Iraq. Pentagon figured, well, if we send in rock musicians to sing devil music, get comedians to tell dirty jokes, we'd send in a preacher. Right. So I went in there among all those poor troops. All of them, the age of our kids. You know, the average soldier is 21 years old or something. They're sitting out there, yes, sir. And Kenny was there, one of my boys. Kenny, son, what's this uniform? I'm a Navy SEAL, sir. You're a Navy SEAL. What outfit? Of course, what's your clearance? I said, I'm still at TP clearance. He was Team 6. The most elite of the elite of United States Navy SEALs. They only perform impossible missions. They go out on a mission that has the deniability factor for the government. We don't know anything about it. If they die, their family can never know where or why they died. Kenny was a United States Navy SEAL. And I said, you know what the Bible calls you guys? Yes, sir. I remember your message, sir. Kenny, you call me pastor. I mean, yes, sir, pastor. 
once they go through their training, everything's rank. But I'm the one who should be calling you, sir, son. Oh, no, sir. No, I, the Bible says you guys are the mighty men of valor. Yes, sir. It's an honor, sir, to serve my country. Sir, give my life for my people. Sir. I said, stop it. Stop it. You mighty man of valor. One day I was at church in Washington, D.C. Who do I see? Kenny. He's this tall, way below height regulations for, for, for seals. Even I was too short. Anyway, of course, I never applied to seals. They, they might confuse me for a real one. <laughs> Get that animal out of here. He's <laughs> flopping around here all afternoon. <laughs> Kenny came to church, and he was really sober. I go, what's the matter, son? I don't know, sir. I, I'm not sure there is a God, so I came to see if I can find him here at church today. Oh, tell me, son. I was in Bosnia last night. Okay, we're in... We're in Washington, D.C. Where was he last night? Bosnia, a nine-hour flight away. What happened? Well, we, we went in to rescue three packages. Those are three hostages being held against their will. In, in, and I won't name the city. It's a classified mission. He said, we landed a helicopter under heavy fire. Two helicopters under heavy fire right into the city. Took no casualties. I feel sorry for them, though. A lot of them died for their country last night. And then he says, we ran into this building heavily fortified and protected, and we retrieved the packages safely. Not one of them was injured in extraction. And as the helicopter was leaving, you have to clip in because of the violent types of flying they have to do. Sometimes the helicopter is almost upside down. You have to be clipped in because if you're not clipped in, you could fall out. So... At about 300 feet, sir, the, the chopper was up, and, and, and then as we banked sharp to get out of the line of fire, as all kinds of munitions were being shot in our direction, my buddy had forgotten to clip in in securing one of the packages, and he rolled right out of the helicopter at 300 feet. Died tragically on the street below, and we landed again under heavy fire. And he's the company medic, Kenny. So he hopped out, picked up the lifeless body of his friend, brought him in, clipped in, and again, they, there were no other casualties. And so he says, I'm just, I got on an F-16, and we flew all night across the Atlantic and refueled twice. We landed out here in Norfolk, and my buddy just... Drove me the three hours into church. That's a mighty men of folks who know that they're going to give their life for their country. Now, we can criticize all we want, but are you willing to give your life? Are you going to think twice? Well, if my neighbor would change party affiliations, I might decide to help him out. But, you know, we're so divided now. We are so divided, and this is not from the Lord. So what does the Lord tell this kid? The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, I want you to do a holy thing. Chop up your dad's altar 
stomp out his flowers and chop down the trees and take those rocks over to those boulders and erect an altar unto the Lord and take your dad's prized bull and offer him as a sacrifice. I'm going to get in trouble. God didn't ask about your security. If the Lord asks you to do something, get your crew together and do it. Because Gideon got his friends together. And that night they, don't wake up my dad. And they chopped up everything and knocked down and cut down. And then they, and they put an altar together as best they could. And then the bull back there, that was that. Of course, they did it next to the altar. It's a long ways to drag something. Let him walk over. And as the sun was rising, a sacrifice was burning unto the Lord God of Israel. And everybody was mad. And, 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 and Gideon's dad said, well, I don't know what happened. It has to be your son. Well, if, if Baal is our God, let him punish my son. That was very smart because everybody said, yeah, let him get punished by the God Baal. Of course, nothing's going to happen because there's only one God. There's only one Solo hay un Dios, el Dios de Israel. And so, now take the trumpet, son, and blast it so well, my ear. And the people of Israel, wait, send messengers throughout the countryside. Now, here was the strange thing. Only the tribe of Levi, the priests of the temple, were allowed to blast the trumpet of the Lord. But no, he asked a bunch of kids to do it. Just like the Lord is mobilizing young people now. They may not all have degrees and training in ministry, but when the Holy Ghost has come upon our kids, as the prophecy says, we better move out of the way because Lord has his way. Do you hear me, church? I started out at 16. If you want to blame somebody, blame the Egans. They were my Bible teachers in high school. I was minding my own business. And I was voted the shyest student in the sophomore class. And then I met the Egans. When an adult takes a kid under their wings, it's magical. I wasn't bothering anybody until the Lord sent the Egans. It's been a mess ever since. All of a sudden, I went extra. And that's how we're going to do it. You, know, you be humble enough to say, God might just have a different way than what I'm used to. They went out and blasted the trumpet. And guess what happened? 32,000 men of Israel responded. 32,000. And Gideon's like, man, this is like, dude, like, for real, was like, you know, like, and I was like, and she was like, they were all like, and I was like, whatever, you know, you want them to. Don't mess with a young person filled with the Holy Ghost. No te asustes cuando la juventud está llena del Espíritu Santo. 
Porque Dios tiene un plan para ellos que solo ellos pueden lograr. Now, when I say something in Spanish and a cowboy says amen, amen, that's called the gift of tongues. I was preaching in San Francisco at the Tabernacle Church, and, you know, there is no foyer. Here's the back of the sanctuary. You open the door, there's the sidewalk. Folks are walking by, and there's only three steps down. I didn't know that when I walked out with my guitar. The guitar and I found our way quickly down to the sidewalk. Fortunately, deacons were there to catch me, but there was no hope for the bouncing case. I preached in English. It's an English-speaking church. And a gentleman was walking by the two open doors. You know, I'm sorry, it looked like my doggy. You know, he was curious. And his mouth dropped open. And he came in. And the deacons, oh, welcome. The ladies gave him his bulletin. And he's, he came in and sat down. And he just listened with intensity. And after the sermon, he came to greet me. And I didn't understand a word he was saying. Well, it's the Russian part of town. So one of the ladies says, he's speaking to you in Russian, pastor. So she began to say some things to him. And he, she's translating. He walked by and heard perfect Mother Russian with the Moscow accent where he's from. So the only reason he walked in is because he heard Russian in the Moscow dialect where he's from. So he's convinced you're from Moscow. He wants to ask you what part of town. Oh, I don't even look Russian. Although when I went to Moscow, all the kids were calling me Stalin. Stalin, Stalin, they were, they were making fun of the visiting pastor. Anyway, and that was at the swap meet. These weren't Adventist kids. So, brothers and sisters, God has his way of doing stuff. And it may not be what we're used to, what we want, what we're expecting. But get out of the way when the Holy Spirit begins to move. It's your turn, Fort Collins. And those of you at home, you're going to be here next Sabbath. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I want you to know you're welcome. This is your family. Come on back. Amen. Place is not the same without you. Does this make sense, church? Yeah. Are you, do you feel sufficiently shoved around today? Some of you are going to get home with messy hair. What happened to you? I was shoved around in the sermon today. Even your organist doesn't know where to hide because she's filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, and you notice I call it like I see it. If I think your musicians fill the Holy Ghost, I turn her in. I turn him in. I can't. You can run, but you can't hide. So they blasted the trumpet, the trumpet of the Lord that only the tribe of Levi can blast. A bunch of kids. And how many men of Israel responded? 32,000. We got us a brigade here. Mm -mm, we can work this. Meanwhile, the Midianites, the Bible says here in Judges, because it's too long of a passage to go verse by verse. And as you can see, I'll take a half hour on other stuff. The Midianites went and found Amalekites and many other kites to come out with them. And the valley became full of the enemy. They looked like ants. So chronologists, theologians who keep track of numbers, suggest 
and I agree with their analysis, that it was probably 260,000 foot soldiers, plus archers who make arrows rain down from heaven, plus horsemen who ride right up to you and have their horse. Remember that one accident at the ranch where you flew 15 feet because the mare was in a bad mood? Imagine an army of horsemen coming to you, what that bump is going to be like to the guys up front. Brothers and sisters, they had the advantage, but Gideon had the high ground. They're looking at them down below. How many men of Israel? 32,000. So the Lord appears to Gideon. Okay, there's too many guys. Lord, 32,000 against that valley full of people? No, 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 no. Behold, I've already given you the victory. Uh, that's, that's secure. But if I send these guys in, they're going to think they did it. Yeah, we took, we took care of business. We don't want guys bragging for what the Lord gave them. Isn't that the same thing for us? Lord gave you that truck you needed so bad? Yeah, I got a good deal. No, the Lord gave me my truck. I prayed for that thing for four months. And there it is. <laughs> Look at it smiling out there on the driveway. My sister-in-law says, oh, she has such a pretty red dress. My truck is red. Anyway, God says, tell whoever's scared they can go home. All right, attention. See, he's not a general. Hello. Finally, some old veteran got up there. Everybody, get in line. <laughs> Our general's going to speak to us. Okay, like, like, the Lord said, sir, deepen your voice. The Lord said, whoever's scared, you can go home. <laughs> A dust storm broke out. Because the Bible says 22,000 men went home. Because they looked over the, into the valley. I'm not going down there. Oh, I got a wife and kids back at the house. I got animals to feed. I'm not going. Whoever's scared, says the kid general, go home. That's what the Lord said. They didn't need prompting. They ran. So how many have left? 10,000. 22 left out of 32. He's got 10. Lord, what are you doing? I finally had a crew. Kids call their friends the crew. I just performed a wedding in Seattle the other day for my nephew. I meet all of his groomsmen. So you, all you guys are Henry's crew. Yeah, we're his crew. His friends. Anyway. He's down to 10,000 guys. 10,000. That's not enough to cook for the enemy. That's not enough guys to feed their horses. I mean, <laughs> Lord, see, the Lord is not here to do things our way. He wants to make it clear that it's not we who finish his work. It's he who finishes his work. And he's chosen to finish it through his people. Remember that? Here am I, O oh Lord, send me. It's the Lord that wants to finish his work. Because we can't seem to get around to it. 
We don't even get along. I'm glad those things don't happen in Fort Collins. Brothers and sisters, the Lord says, why don't you let the guys have a drink? They all look very thirsty. I know it's up here in Colorado somewhere where it happened. The Kansas thing was going on. These guys were thirsty. And go to the, oh, there's a creek, a river going by over here. And as they're running and swimming parties are breaking out and guys are swinging off of branches. What is it about us men? We brush our teeth with a fingertip. <laughs> Does it work? But we still do it. Isn't that something? How many wives have said, I'm going to get you a brush? CVS is right there. I'm tired of the squeaky finger thing you do in the truck. Right? So there are guys down there. And so then, can you see it? I want you to see it. I'm trying to make you a witness to the river. But then the Lord said to him, whoever laps like a dog... Have you ever watched your dog, your cat drink water? They dip their tongue in and they flip it back. And it's back here. And that goes into their mouth. So whoever's doing this, you keep them out. Separate them. There's one. Grab him before he gets an idea of diving in. Grab him. Grab him. Everybody else was in the water. When it was over, he sees thousands of men kneeling, washing their hair, and squeaking their teeth. Thousands of them. In fact, 9,000, how many? 900 and 9,700 men. And how many were pulled aside? Lord, what about the, the 9,700 men? Send them home. First, I was doing my wheat like I was supposed to, like my dad told me. And then you had me destroy the altar and get everybody mad. And then you told me to bless the trumpet and all these guys respond. And then you start sending them home. And I want to be master guide someday. And I can't do basics of military operational uh, technique. Okay, I think we're ready to go in with 300 and we have made a mistake theologically we make a fuss over the 300 men it's not the 300 men that mattered that night the the, the captain now since the general couldn't do his job and all the guys left it was a outright open mutiny the 9700 they they weren't afraid they were ready to die that night they simply had doubts. They paused. And most folks don't understand that if you doubt, it's the same as unbelief. You're not going to do it. So I don't see what's wrong with on Sabbath. I don't see what's... Well, I don't... Well, I... Yai, 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 yai. See, when you get an eye problem and you start doubting the Word of God, stuff the Lord says plainly, then you have doubt. And you're no different than the person who doesn't believe at all. So the 9,700 had doubts. They paused at the river to rethink this. But the 300, nah, man, we're going to die tonight, but I'm going to take at least three of them with me. This shovel has been everywhere. Follow? 
These guys weren't about staying alive. They weren't about their preservation. They weren't about their doubts or unbelief. I'm going to die tonight. I'm going to take two or three of them with me, even though the odds are impossible. And let me say it clearly. There are times when the odds are impossible. Look at me. Look at me. What God has called us to do is impossible. But all things are possible with God. Your new pastor's coming in. Excuse me. Your new pastor's coming in. You going to stand with him? Well, he's shorter than I thought. <laughs> you going to start on day one picking the guy apart? Don't be afraid. Do the will of the Almighty. 300, Lord. I'm not sure. Okay, go down into the midst of the enemy tonight while they're asleep. Take some spies. Okay, you, you, and you. So he took the director of the junior class, took the Sabbath school director, who's a complete chicken, and took this person who's always complaining about the deacons don't do their job right. We're going to go into the camp of the enemy tonight as spies. So I count on total tiptoeing. You will not wear your boots. You'll wear sandals that don't crunch. And so they get down there. And they're among the tents of the enemy. The scriptures say they're in the midst of the camp in the middle of the night. And one of the soldiers of the enemy wakes up in his tent. He was having a nightmare. What happened? What happened? I dreamt that a giant loaf of barley was rolling down the hill. Now, the Bible calls it bread, but we all know it's called pita bread today, which means it was a tortilla. <laughs> Taco Pal, they call them gorditas. Do I hear an amen somewhere? See, we find the tortillas in Scripture. They speak to us. And it's not a falafel. It's a burrito. Amen? You see, some of you miss breakfast. I see it in your eyes. You're already picturing it. The smell of salsa in the air. See, the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. I have suffered so much in my life that after meeting Jesus, he taught me to laugh. Sometimes I have no joy of my own. I have no reason to be joyful. Sometimes I'm devastated. But the joy of the Lord, his joy is my strength. So psychologists, two of them got dissertations on me, studying my videos for the last 40 years. And they say, you make us giggle in the sermon, sometimes almost improperly. Yes. You're crying, aren't you? And I say, yeah. Laughing and crying are the exact same emotion. It's the same chemical movement in the brain. So when you're making us giggles because you're hurting, yeah. Someone I love is not well today, and she might die. So the joy of the Lord, you see it? I'm even, so the next time you sit at a table, you know, I hate that pastor. I thought he was some comedian out of place. Then you say, no, when he has us giggling is because he himself is hurting. 
I'm really giving away my secrets, so maybe you'll be merciful on me, a sinner. Is that all right? Are you used to a pastor being so human with you? Please, the next pastor, treat him as a human called by God to do a divine thing. You're going to take, how many commit in the presence of God? You're going to, I don't even know who the guy is who's coming here to be your pastor soon. How many here are going to stand by your pastor? God sees your hand. You pray for your pastor. If you disagree with him, pray harder. I don't raise my hand against the Lord's anointed, even when it's a pastor who don't like me. I had a guy come to the general conference one day to see me. I need to see Elder Rojas, and my assistant said, we, you can't just let any stranger in here, because sometimes they just want to tell you off. And boy, there are brethren and sisters who know how to tell somebody off with Ellen White quotes forever and ever. Amen. And so I said, I just felt the sense of the spirit. I need to let this guy in. He came to my office and he said, I have spent the last 15 years dedicating my life to destroying your ministry. I have made videos attacking you. I've clipped you out of context in many sermons and had you look like the most foolish comedian and saying, see, the Lord condemns this. And I've been after you for 15 years. I want to look you in the eye and do two things. I want to say I'm sorry. I hope you forgive me. Number two, I need to wash your feet. You know, for communion, you clean up special, right? Because strangers going to work your feet today, so... Of course, uh, not everybody does that, but, you know, going to the guy section at communion, and you can tell who didn't know there would be communion today. <laughs> this guy walks in. Right there in my office in the general conference, he began to weep. I'm so sorry. I'm here to serve you. Please forgive me. I have gone after you for 15 years. And then I remember his tapes had come in, sent me samples of his work. He stood up and I was there barefooted. I, I forgive you. And I walked him out barefooted. So there we are going through the atrium of the general conference. And there's footprints. We get to the front door. Thanks for coming in, my brother. What's your name? My name's Mike. Mike. My name's Jose. They call me Joe. And we embraced one more.
the victory of Israel. The Midianites knew what happens when, when God fights for Israel. And, and, and they knew that seven priests would carry seven trumpets. And when they blasted them, the lightning would come from a blue sky. You know it's Colorado. You know it's Colorado. Lightning from a blue sky. The clouds over there. Yet it hit the tree over here. You guys are weird. It's because you live among these clouds. What's it like to live among clouds? To have a plane flying at 3,000 feet because you're almost at cruise altitude. Brothers and sisters, that was the last sign Gideon needed. The Lord is going to fight for us. The enemy themselves said it. So that night, Gideon said, all right, bring the weapons. Sir, my weapon, I hope it's sharpened, sir. Tonight, I will give my life for my God and my country. And then, I'll, I'll never forget, I was in Aviano Air Base, and a group of Marines were about to deploy across the channel into Herzegovina. And I was there when the commander, all right, gear up. We're loading now. You will set aside your doubts and think of your God and your country because you're going in to handle this tonight. You are not united. Fort Collins Church. Set aside your differences. Amen. From now on, you will be Set aside your differences. From now on, you will be. Sir, my weapon. Okay, everybody take one, pass it down. A pot? My wife's been wanting one of these. Why? I'd take it back to the house after the war, but I'm not going to make it, so. At my command, you will break the pot. But that's going to wake them up. Just their archers, the first 30 seconds of the encounter, and we're done. Okay, we have candles. Everyone take one, pass it down. Don't spill the oil. Torch and candle are the same Hebrew word. Light your candle and put it in the pot. When I tell you, break the pot and hold up the candle. Oh, their archers will now target directly to the lights. And then, sir, this is so... Trumpet. Seven priests blasted trumpets and the walls of Jericho came down. Seven priests blasted trumpets and lightning fell on the Midianites from a blue sky. Now you're asking a bunch of laymen to do a holy thing that only the pastor does. Only an ordained man does. Take your trumpet like a man. Sir, after you break your pot and hold up your light, blast your trumpet. Because we're not going to have seven trumpets tonight. How many are going to be on the field of battle? Never in the history of Israel since then 
before then have there been 300 shofars. You only need seven to bring down the hand of God. Now you're going to have how many? We don't need 265,000 well-armed Israelis to face off with these guys. We need 300 believers who are ready to do a holy thing without doubt. And when I give you the command, blast your trumpet in the name of the Lord. <laughs> Grab your trumpet or I'll hit you with it. This is the Yemenite shofar. It's kosher. It's made in Jerusalem. Esta es la trompeta de Jehová. Now, we know that the angels are coming with him, right? Where are they going to blast? Trillions and quadrillions of trumpets are coming. And you only need seven to bring down the glory of the Lord. So now 300 trumpets. It's not about the 300 men. We focused on the wrong thing. It's about how a few people can have enormous faith. I should have the real trumpeter come up here and do this thing some justice. When I had my districts, I'd make the announcements, then we'd blast the trumpet, and then we knew it was time for worship. What I just blasted is the gadola, the call to worship. There's nine staccatos that are the call to war. You still hear it in Israel as Israeli troops deploy for whatever needs to be done. We're not here to discuss war or what we agree or disagree on. I'm just telling you that the trumpet of the Lord is a sacred thing. And when the Midianites heard the trumpet of the Lord, They've heard it before, and they only had to hear seven of them. Now, a company of 100 over here, 100 over here, 100. They heard trumpets from all sides of the valley. Are you kidding me? Look for the guys with the long robes and shoot them before they keep blessing. No, there are no priests out there. There's a bunch of farmers and ranchers and city slickers and... And they're blasting the trumpet of the Lord. God called them to do a holy thing. Look at me. What God has called us to do is a holy thing. Are you ready? It's time. Come back to church. Not for any other reason that we need you here. We need folks of faith who will blast the trumpet of the Lord. Does this make sense? Amen. Now, in my own unworthy way, times 300 from three sides, they started killing each other as the outpouring of the hand of the Lord, the movement of the Holy Ghost, what we call today a latter reign of the Holy Spirit. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old people will dream dreams and your young people will see visions. The dreamers and visionaries coming together.
to do a holy thing. Now, when I blast the trumpet, my Jewish colleagues say, thank you for being a, a worthy rabbi. El Elohim Yisrael, Baruch Hashem Adonai, Baruch Hashem Yeshua HaMashiach. That is the rabbinical blessing for the blasting of the trumpet of the Lord. Does this make sense to you? Believe. Believe beyond believable. This nation is severely divided and it's on purpose. We are hurting each other. We're back to, is it a Ford or a Chevy? Ford people don't like Chevy people. I don't know what that, Chevy people hate Ford people. And nobody likes Dodge because they have the best stuff. <laughs> and I'm a Chevy man, but I just can't afford a Ram. Lord's going to hand those out when we get there. You see, we're divided over trucks even. Remember back in the 60s we did that? And if, I, if you see me, I'm, well, my dad just passed away, but if you saw me on my dad's Ford tractor, what would you be thinking? Well, I never. What should I be driving? The yellow and green one. Brothers and sisters, we need to believe again. Amen. Believe. All things are possible to them that believe. Now, I preached overtime today, and I apologize, but I ain't sorry. Don't worry. Just don't, just don't invite me back. You'll be all right. You come back safely next Sabbath. But please, find a reason to believe again. 300 guys went after 265,000. It wasn't the 300 guys. It was 300 trumpets that were blasted in the presence of the Almighty when you only need seven. And then as the sun was rising, they'd killed each other off so badly down there that those 22,000 who had gone home scared and the, the 9,700 who went home with their doubts, when they saw, quote, the Bible's telling us later on in chapter 7 of Judges, when they saw what the Lord had done, they joined the fight. We call that mop-up duty. Finished off the last of the enemy. And great was the victory of Israel as that night, priests of the tribe of Levi blasted the trumpet of the Lord again and synagogues were reopened for worship. And the God of Israel was once again in command of his people. Amen. Fort Collins, I've never been here before. I got no ax to grind. I'm just a broken guy who blew a gasket long ago. But you're here for such a time as this. Get your wits about you. Get up your courage. It's not what we will do that matters. It's what God will do. Now think of it. I'm a, I'm a Mexican boy from East Los Angeles. What have you trained, been trained to think about Mexican kids from East L.A.? We're going to come after you and rob your house too. <laughs> That's what you're being told even right now. Watch out. They'll, they're coming after you. Yet, 
The Lord came to my house too. Gave my life to the Lord in baptism. I've served three presidents of the United States. Three general conference presidents. And I'm still just a broken down human being. I'm an example that the Lord can use anybody. Are you listening to me? Lord can use even an old city slicker from L.A. I spent the last 30 years in Washington, D.C. I want to come home. I, I think I've done enough. That city hurts physically. It's very divided. So it's time to come together. It's time to forgive each other of our sins. It's time to look heavenward together with hope, for our redemption draweth nigh. It is time to be filled with the latter rain of the Holy Spirit. And not just pray for the missionaries across the sea, but the missionaries across the county. And folks sitting here who will tell their neighbor, God bless you. You know, you're always saying that. I mean it. Because you and your wife, I've heard some of the fights from out here. I hope you guys hang in there. You know, the, the Lord blesses marriages too. Really? Yeah. I got a friend, and you can talk to her, and she'll help you out with your marriage. Farmers may want to be left alone, but when you hear pots being thrown across the kitchen, and you're there, maybe you're the one the Lord sent to bring harmony to that broken home and grant them a renewed hope. Is this making sense? So, from one broken heart to another. Let's come together. Can I have a little bit more volume for the guitar, please? A little bit more volume? Thank you. Now, in Colorado, I know the guitar is the instrument of the Lord. So I feel at home today with my fellow guitars in Texas they complain you need a fiddle in the band there was a song that if you want to play in Texas you got to have a fiddle in. so I take a violinist from Southwestern Adventist University and we have a fiddle for the piece with the life God grants me now that I know that I'm finite as well I want to be used by him I don't want to share my opinions. I want him to speak his will. So if you felt challenged today, praise God Almighty. Because none of us, as Ellen White says, none of us has arrived. We all walk on this path together. All I've done is tell you what I have seen. Okay? So, I'd like to sing this song for the glory of the Lord then you could scramble out of here for your emergency brunch and find your strength for the afternoon
And the hand of the Lord came down upon them as they blasted the trumpet of the Lord. May we experience the hand of the Lord coming down upon us as we do a holy thing. Fort Collins, get your courage back. Get your wits about you. This is not our work. It's the Lord's. I'm going to conclude by saying this to you and those of you watching at home. The Lord is with you, you mighty warriors of valor. Let me say it in plain American English. I'm looking at all of you. That's how they say it in New Jersey. All of you. The Lord is with you. You mighty men and women, United States Navy SEALs. Let's pray together. Bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, we asked you to bless us. Thank you for honoring our request. Thank you for pouring out your Holy Spirit and confusing us, pushing us, especially when you knocked us off the cliff and discovered we can fly. We have renewed hope today. It's strange because it's not a feeling, it's a certainty. When we go back to the house today and folks say, how did it go? You're gonna, we're going to turn around and tell them, I, I, saw, I saw the face of God. For the Lord, Lord, when we want to see you, we just have to look into the eyes of your people. And there you are among us. So with your blessing, please don't stay here. Go on back with us to the house. Don't be a special guest at the house. Be a member of the family. Live there with us. Sir, we will serve you. Give us our pot to break and be broken in your presence. Give us our candle to hold up the light of truth. And then give us a trumpet to do a holy thing in your presence. And bring souls to a saving knowledge of Jesus. We love you. Thank you for loving us more. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. look at me just one more time. Don't worry. You don't have to invite me back. You'll be fine. Go. Tell someone what you saw here today. Go in peace. Amen.